Hello, this is Brian Leonard, uh, the host of the Civil Rights University podcast and founder of Civil Rights University, an online uh, platform that provides uh, education, information, resources, tools, training, um, and uh, many other uh, things, a community uh, and support for those engaged in and involved in the work of civil rights activism. Uh, and those that are interested in being involved in civil rights activism, as well as those who are interested in social entrepreneurship. Uh, this is Civil Rights University podcast. Uh, class is now in session. Welcome to Civil Rights University podcast. Civil Rights University podcast was created to provide an education different from the one provided in traditional colleges and schools, but provide an education on activism, particularly civil rights activism. This podcast comes to you to provide education, encouragement, empowerment uh, for those that are interested in civil rights, civil rights activism, as well as for those that will just want to learn more about it and get a deeper understanding of civil rights history and civil rights activism. Uh, each episode, we hope, brings you quality content uh, that will be helpful in your own civil rights practice um, and that you can utilize to have a better and more powerful impact in your work as well as in your career and your life. Today's episode, uh, I have, I'm interviewing uh, Jarrell Lewis, uh, who is a current, um, uh, has a current civil rights uh, practice in the area of Title IX. And so my conversation with uh, Jarrell has, um, is, is very uh, filled with nuggets uh, about not only his journey, but about the uh, actually working in civil rights on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as advice about career planning and or decision making. Uh, and so, yeah, we hope that you will uh, listen and enjoy and certainly uh, share with others uh, because this is a really great interview with my guest, uh, Jarrell Lewis. Jarrell Lewis. Uh, who's agreed to uh, let me ask him some questions for a few minutes. Um, and really, uh, this is really, you know, part of the, uh, the goal of the podcast that looks at uh, giving an insight into um, various career options and um, um, career paths uh, in the uh, area of civil rights. Uh, and so, um, Jarrell uh, agreed to be my guest today, and we're going to ask him some questions and hopefully give some information that, um, that you'll find very helpful. So without any further delay, uh, Jarrell, thanks for joining us today. Um, appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for having Happy to be here. Um, part of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your backstory, you know, uh, how you sort of got to where you are in your uh, career in civil rights. Yeah, so I um, 
when I graduated high school, I went to uh, North Carolina A&T State University for undergrad, where I was a criminal justice major. I eventually settled on a major, but it took me some time. And so, yeah, I was a criminal justice major um, through that time at A&T. Um, I was recruited for a, a program that introduced minority students to the legal profession at UNC Chapel Hill called the CLEO program. It's called the Council on Legal Educational Opportunities. So I participated in that uh, summer program, and uh, they take students that are, are doing well in undergrad, and over the summer, they introduce them to what law school is like by doing um, SAT prep, I mean, LSAT prep, and they also do, um, each week you have a visiting professor uh, that teaches a different core subject, whether it's contracts, property, evidence, criminal law, things like that. And they grade you and you write essays like you do in law school to give you a taste of what law school is like and also prepare you for the LSAT exam. So I did that. Uh, and once I finished that program my sophomore year, I, I decided I'll go to law school. So I ended up graduating and uh, went to North Carolina Central University School of Law. Uh, at this time, I still didn't really, really know what I wanted to do, but uh, I was a career student at that point, and I thought you know, law school is a good uh, a law degree is a good degree to get where you can have multiple options at the end um, for what you want to do. So I went to law school. Um, still not really sure what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a, um, a judge or something like that, just because that's what you see on TV. And so I ended up going to law school. I graduated law school and all that. And um, still didn't really have a clue on what I wanted to do. Ended up doing some contract work for um, a couple years and then I was doing contract work so I had like an epiphany and um, realized that you know contract work was pretty good pay more pay than I had had before but I wasn't feeling fulfilled in that area so I started looking at career options for the non-traditional litigation career um, because in law school that's what you know, art is told to so many students in the courtroom and things like that and so I thought that was like really the only option so I started looking at other careers outside that you know prefer lawyers or people with law degrees and um, while I was in law school I had a really good constitutional law professor so I ended up taking three different courses in constitutional law while I was in law school and um, from there I started researching careers and I took my interest in constitutional law and I think that for me leads over into employment law as well and um, criminal justice and found this niche area of civil rights uh, educational civil rights law and so to get to where I was going where I am now um, took some networking some risk moving across the country and um now I'm here working as a Title IX coordinator in the K-12 school system as a district-wide Title IX coordinator. So that's my journey in a nutshell, but I, I definitely don't – I can get into more specific details if you like. Uh, no, that, no, that's that's perfect. That I mean, that, that hits on all of the things that we really want to deal with. I mean, from sort of, you know, how you got into it to sort of the, you know, some uh, podcasts I listen to, and they talk about these, uh, what does he call them? Um, 
I, 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 and it, it didn't, the, the um, name escapes me. Oh, turning points. That's what he says. He said everybody's life has these turning points. And so I think I, I'm so glad you hit on that. And I'm so glad you hit on a, a, a bunch of things in there about, you know, um, having the epiphany, um, about sort of recognizing that. And it's, and it's not. But I think you're right. And I think that that is something that uh, is true of uh, of law schools that, like you said, they do tend to uh, focus on the um, focus on the um, the litigation aspect. And they don't all the time focus on the aspects of uh, other non-traditional areas. Um, and I think. You know, and really, and just, you know, while we're on the point, I won't belabor the point, but I think this is an important piece because there are, you know, as everybody knows, you know, the law is one of those areas that, like many things, if you will, that, um, that, um, 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 you know, obviously there there are more you know people than slots, but I think even more so, there there's a real sort of um, you know, you know, emphasis so much on not so much finding your place in the law as much as it is like fitting sort of whatever you want to do into one of the already established roles. And I think that's a real challenge. And I think for many folks, of course, you know, we have folks that will listen that, that some will be interested in law, some will be you know, aspiring lawyers or already lawyers, young lawyers, perhaps, uh, but even those that are not, but, but I do think that's an important um, point that, um, like you said, being open um, to different areas. And like I said, you know, being OK with finding a way to sort of, you know, accomplish, um, you know, your passion or your goals, but not having to go through the traditional way. Because one of the things that um, I realized um, and, and this is interesting. This is an interesting. I don't, I don't know if you you may, you may have already been aware of this, but when I was doing research on my book and and, and just reading about Thurgood, which you know, and he's all civil rights lawyers. I mean, he's like the you know the standard, right? Um, but I, but it was interesting to find out that you know when Thurgood originally started out, he had his own practice, and he had a small you know you know solo practice and. I remember, you know, he said one day he said that his, his secretary had to pay for lunch. Next day he had to pay for lunch if, if they didn't have it. But it was interesting. I mean, it, you know, he did different things, but obviously he was not the success that he was once he joined the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. And it was remarked later on, I think, that when Dean Houston, Charles Hamilton Houston, and I believe it was Felix Frankfurter, who's a justice on the court, when they had a conversation, they both said, hey, you know, Thurgood definitely didn't need to be in his own practice. Like, he needed to be there in NAACP. So I, so I think that's just an interesting thing because obviously, you know, his, you know, his path, I guess the path at that time for many black lawyers would have been to be in your own practice, but he went a different way. And, you know, the rest, certainly, as they say, is history. <laughs> so I, I just I think I think that's a great point. And I think that is certainly one of the things that we're looking for in this podcast, really talk about sort of, you know, those those uh, those things, because I think I just don't think enough folks um, think through those things. Right. And I think, like I said, again, 
people feel like they have that allegiance to, oh, I have to go out and be a judge, or I have to go out and be a DA, or I have to go out and be a trial lawyer, whatever, a PI, you know, personal injury lawyer, whatever it is, and that's the only way that I can sort of make a difference. And I think that um, that's not true, obviously, and I think that that's one of the things we want to sort of encourage our listeners with that. Right, right. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, so what about, um, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned it, but you, you mentioned sort of Title IX work. But if you could sort of um, sort of give us, you know, sort of, you know, what what laws or rights do you deal with doing Title IX work? So, yeah, so Title IX is federal law that states that individuals that receive federal funding educational institutions that receive federal funding actually mm-hmm. uh, must take steps to ensure that their programs or activities and work environment uh, are free from discrimination on the basis of sex and so uh, what that generally means is you must treat male females equally equitably some mm-hmm. current growing of title nine and debate about whether that includes transgender right. and sexual orientation right. and things like that. So it's it's growing, but uh, traditionally it means on the basis of sex, which is um, biological sex. So mm-hmm. any education ins- educational institution that receives federal funding has to ensure that they comply with Title IX. Mm-hmm. And, and Title IX is enforced through the Department of Education's uh, Office for Civil Rights, which is the agency that... Um, oversees all civil rights in education, including uh, Title VI, which is race, national origin, um, discrimination, mm-hmm. which is, and also includes um, the 504, mm-hmm. ADA, um, all those pieces, as well as the IDEA, which is another disability law, and so forth and so on. So uh, that's what Title IX is, is and um, as a Title IX coordinator, I ensure compliance with uh, Title IX federal legislation, and also overlap with other pieces as well due to my uh, attorney law, law degree background. Okay, all right. Thanks so much. And, and sort of you, you sort of you you addressed it a little bit, um, um, sort of generally. But you know, in terms of how you got to where you are, um, your your trajectory. Um, um, did you want to talk a little bit about sort of the, the, the area that you were in first and then how you got into this area, if you wouldn't Yeah, mind? so, um, well, like I said, when I had my epiphany, I kind of had an epiphany while I was doing the contract work, mm-hmm. um, thinking, well, why haven't I gotten to where I wanted to in, in life or where I even wanted to? And I had a realization that things don't just happen for people. Right. Nice. Um, you have to make things happen. So mm-hmm. all my life I had gotten to that point, graduate law school, mm-hmm attorney and all those things yep. and um by just coasting through life without really having a plan right. which is still pretty good right um, right it's <laughs> great <laughs> but i wasn't where um i could have gotten or achieved more mm-hmm. if i think if i had a plan mm-hmm. so that's that was my epiphany okay so what can i do if i plan certain things nice and okay. so i had i had i was on the I was on the cusp of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next mm-hmm. after that contract job. Mm-hmm. And in that, I had a mentor from undergrad who was an attorney that mm-hmm. wrote my recommendations for law school and all that. Okay. And she was working at a university 
in like a clinic type of program and she was looking for attorneys to um, be in her um, essentially a clinic Mm -hmm. that dealt with elder abuse and things like that. So I was actually about to um, take that as a position, but then I kept looking and researching different things Mm -hmm. and I ultimately found uh, education, the field of education um, because I, 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 my mother is a teacher. My okay. wife is a teacher. Okay. I almost ended up in education myself okay. uh, through Teach for America. Okay. I was okay. recruited for that out of undergrad. Went through all the interviews. Was accepted, but ultimately declined it um, because that was not what I wanted to do. Like mm-hmm. that was an example of me just coasting through things, mm-hmm. still having good results, but not actually planning for things. Things were yes. just happening, and I didn't plan for them. Yes. So. Um, Ultimately, when I started looking at different things, I found I kept coming back to my, I guess, my true passions, which was a mix of constitutional law, mm-hmm. criminal law and education. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out where I could mesh all those together. And that's when I found this niche area of civil rights and education and all those regulations and laws that the Office for Civil Rights has to enforce through education to make sure that students and employees have an equitable um, you know, school environment or work environment. They're not being discriminated against based on their race, sex, religion, all those things. And so what I did was I, once I found that area, Mm -hmm. I was living in Raleigh at the time and I thought, well, who do I know that is in this area uh, that would allow me to ask them what it's like? So Mm -hmm. I had some connections to um, Tom Shanahan, who's the head of the UNC uh, system uh, general counsel mm-hmm. and so someone connected me to him so I went and had a 30 minute hour interview with him mm-hmm. informational interview to figure out uh, attorney work in the education field mm-hmm. I cold emailed uh, NC State their um, director of their equity office essentially mm-hmm. for NC State and I think I also did the same for um, I think maybe Central or maybe UNC Chapel Hill as well. Mm-hmm. But it was a conversation with NC State that really gave me a great insight. And I, I forgot her name. And I don't think she's in, in charge of the office anymore. Mm-hmm. But she gave me some great insight about how she got to where she was. So I'm definitely a, a, a believer in not reinventing the wheel. If I don't have to, if someone's already blazed the path, nice. forged the path, I will see and take and steal steps from them and try to mimic them in my own self. So um, I did, I spoke with her, got a good understanding of what her role was. Mm-hmm. And she put me, in con- um, put me in contact with some persons in her office who were also attorneys mm-hmm. um, that were doing educational work uh, and civil rights work. And that really confirmed what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So from there, I started looking at, you know, resumes and things like that, just jobs mm-hmm. to see what skill set are, are required. Mm-hmm. And um, started applying for some jobs. I applied to a ton. Mm-hmm. And so me personally, I'm kind of a risk taker. Okay. I will, um, once I have an idea or a thought, I'll do what I need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. So I applied for jobs all over. I'm nice. in North Carolina, lived in North Carolina all my life. Nice. But um, if I need to go elsewhere outside of North Carolina and get the um, experience, then I will do that. So I applied everywhere. Nice. And I wasn't having much success at the beginning when I was applying. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out what was going wrong. Mm-hmm. 
But then I think through the networking and pieces like that, I met someone who I think told me about some certifications or some trainings. Mm -hmm. And so I took the time and, and, you know, and um, gambled on myself and took some of those trainings Mm -hmm. and added to add to my resume uh, to bolster my uh, experiences and credibility in this area Mm -hmm. because this civil rights and education, I had no experience in it. One thing I had was a law degree and a, and a, um, a law license. And mm-hmm. I feel if you pass the bar exam, you could you could do anything. So that's really how I sold myself. Okay. And so once I got those trainings and put those on my resume, and I applied for jobs, that's when I started getting the interviews. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started getting the first and second callbacks. Mm-hmm. And so I set a five year goal to be a, a Title IX coordinator, mm-hmm. um, and five years. That was my goal when I started in this career. Mm-hmm. And there was a job and. North Dakota, <laughs> all the way in the Midwest, the middle of the United States. Mm-hmm. Don't know a soul in North Dakota, but the university um, needed a Title IX coordinator. I needed to find experience, and it was not just, you know, my goal was five years, but mm-hmm. the position was an actual coordinator, affirmative action officer. Mm-hmm. So I was doing Title IX plus all the other educational civil rights pieces that are um, still applicable to education such as um religion disability um all those other things as mm-hmm. well that the office for civil rights uh, uh, regulates and oversees mm-hmm. so uh, i took the position all the way in north dakota moved to north dakota mm-hmm. um and that is what got me my start in the field of um, civil rights in the educational setting really niche area mm-hmm. but that got me my start and so i was there for probably like 13 to 15 months mm-hmm. and then the position that i'm currently in uh opened up and so this was an opportunity for me to go back home to north carolina and help a, the, my hometown school district so i took the opportunity and here i am now as a um town nine coordinator for a school district of 26,000 students mm. uh, building that foundation in that program Great, great. I mean, that's a that's a great. I mean, that, I mean, there's so much in there. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, just. Really just, is. I yeah. Like no, I, I mean, I mean, there's so much good nuggets. So yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's a lot in there. No, no, no. <laughs> but but I'm I'm glad you did because I mean that's the. I mean, there's so many good nuggets in there about what you did. You know, one of the things, I, and, and it's just something that that, and I'm guilty. We're all guilty of it. I mean, that's just you know. So you're not you know nobody's alone and and you know, but. I remember somebody said, I don't remember what I saw it, but they said, you know, action brings clarity. Mm-hmm. And too often, and actually I heard this recently on a pod, another podcast, that too often we're standing still, as you said, coasting and expecting, well, you know, I'm just getting, I can just sit in my living room and then clarity will come. And that, and, and, that, and like I said, <laughs> that never happens. And and so, I mean, the piece where you said that you started calling people, you started contacting people, you started doing uh, informational interviews. I mean, those are things that I think are just, just vital. I mean, I think, and, and it's interesting because, you know, and like I said, you know, no matter what field it is or what in the endeavor that you're after, that's when you start seeing the magic happen. And what's interesting, it seems like it's magic, right? I mean, it, you know, people, well, you know, you went from not being in the field to being a, you know, director and a coordinator just like that. And, you know, in a short amount of time. So, well, it's magic. And we'll know. It, it, it seems like magic. 
But what happens is, I remember uh, Brendan Burchard, who I listen to all the time, talks about he's from a little town in uh, uh, um, uh, uh, America called Hard Work, <laughs> you know. And so uh, that's the thing is you got to work. That's the thing. You got yeah. to work. And the work and, of course, uh, obviously, uh, you know, you know, things aligned. But but tip as, as they said I, I don't remember who said it but but as they say I, I think it was um um uh, Abraham Lincoln that said they said you know good things come to those who wait but it's the only things that's left behind from those who hustle <laughs> you know so um, that, you know that's the thing that you you know you yeah. you, you, you you act it you hustle and, and I mean and, and it's so easy like it really you know I say on time but it's so easy to just stop it's so easy, and, you know, and that's why I said your whole journey said, wait a minute, you you had your realization, you had your epiphany, but then you acted on it. I mean, I remember that was another person. They said, you know, what they said, to our own self be true. But, they, but what they said was, and they added, well, and be willing to act on the yeah. truth that you know about yourself. And so and I didn't think about it until you just mentioned it about even this, I, the point about the intersection of mm-hmm. law and I mean civil rights and criminal law and education because that's certainly Title Nine deals with all of that. All crossover. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, just today I was um, I had the chief uh, the chief sheriff in my office for mm. my city wow. uh, for my county mm. uh, for a matter that was Title Nine and also criminal mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. had the chief this number two sheriff in the county. Yeah. Yeah. in my office this yeah. morning um, yeah. talking about certain yeah. certain things. So it's definitely a lot of overlap. Yep. And I, I will um, mention, I, I I said when I started this, I wanted to be in um, this niche area of civil rights. Mm-hmm. I think that was untrue. I think when I started, I think I really wanted to be a general counsel in, in education. Okay, okay. Something in there. And okay. so I was trying to figure out what can I do mm-hmm. to get me an edu- my foot in the door in education. Mm-hmm. Um trying to get me closer to the role of counsel. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably how I got into this niche field mm-hmm. and then realized I actually like this niche field too. Mm-hmm. I think I probably took the position trying to get close to mm-hmm. general counsel in a university setting. Mm-hmm. And um, this was part of it. And I, so I think that's the, the one part I left out. Mm-hmm. I was actually taking the coordinator job with that five-year goal and all those things to really try to get close to being general a general counsel in, in education, particularly higher education. Because experience in an educational setting is uh, was such a, a big component of a resume or a job posting, and so that's really what. So I guess that um, was proximity principle, mm-hmm. that I, something like that. That's well, what I was trying to implement. Well, and that's and I'm glad you cut it. I mean, that's a great point too. Because I mean, again, I, mean, I think what happens is so often, you know, um, you know, like you said, we can start out on one path. But again, action brings clarity, right? And mm-hmm. so, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, it was still the action. And yeah, you thought it was it was it was that, and it was that. But then you, um, you know, you came upon an area, very niche area, um, that that you like and that you've been successful in, obviously, and that you really are the expert in, you know. And yeah, I think and that you know, mm-hmm. and with that experience that I have now, I can. Um, go back and forth between mm-hmm. the educational civil rights mm-hmm. or just straight up, you know, be a, a counsel in the educational setting. I, I kind of have experience now 
to where I could line my resume and job uh, postings up to where I could kind of choose the route that I mm-hmm. want to now, now that I have a, a good amount of experience in the educational setting. So. Yeah. No, and, and yeah. see, that, that that's another point. I was going to say, you actually, to be quite frankly, uh, uh, to be quite honest, you probably have even greater experience and it's mm-hmm. a greater diversity experience, a variety experience, having done what you've done versus if you had done what you set out to do. I mean, because many right. times when you start as a general counsel, something like that, you're very, your role is kind of very pigeonholed and very limited. And you don't really touch on, cause, you know, unless you're the general counsel, you don't really touch on a lot of the other areas. Um, it's kind of right. like being an associate, you know, at a big law firm. Well, that's great. But, you know, your, you know, experiences are very limited to someone who's, you know, like you said, more of a generalist. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, that, which is another good point because all of, a lot, you know, a lot of what you're doing is transferable anyway. I mean, you could leave right. that position and go be a general counsel, but you, you know, you have, you have sort of the best of both worlds. So I, so I right. appreciate that. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause like I said, again, I think, you know, action, bringing clarity, the steps you took, information interviews, talking to people in the field, all of those things are necessary. Um, not only to, you know, for you to gain, not, you know, somebody said, I remember, um, uh, you know, and I know I can do these antidotes, but uh, but somebody said that um, um, people spend more time. You talked about you had a plan. People spend more time planning their vacations <laughs> than they do <laughs> planning their careers. And and, you, and, and and that's a that's a really and you think about it. But that's a re- you know one of the things that I've learned, and this is something that, and again, you know, just being encouraged to to do this podcast is what you do for a living. Your career takes up a lot of your time. Yeah. It takes up a lot. And so it is not something that, you know, somebody taught me, you know, uh, to spend that much time (laughs) doing something that really doesn't interest you. That's a, that's a big, that's a big thing. And I think that, like you said, it's, it's, it's just amazing. We, like they said, we don't, plan for something that's going to be a huge part of our lives. And I think yeah. that that's why, I mean, I like, like you said, you had a plan, you had a, you know, you, you, so I would say is just to, um, take risk as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's jobs all over the place in education, civil rights, mm-hmm. and, uh, just look and, you know, take some risks if you can, if you're in a position to do so, mm-hmm. uh, take those risks to be able to, to go a little bit further outside your comfort zone that helps you get where you need to be. Um, some of these positions, every single college university in America, every single K-12 district in America, even private schools and uh, whatnot, have to have some of these positions. And there's definitely a, a litigation and lawsuits that yep. have created um, <laughs> yes, goodness. realization to these school districts and these universities that they might want to have someone in, that, in here that knows what they're doing and not treat it as just a position that's been filled because the law says you need to, they need to do it right. Because if it's not, it's costly. You're right. Mm. Great point. And your reputation, not just financially, but reputationally. Your organization. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, more and more, it seems like every day, you know, we're seeing, you know, news and other things that, that, that indicate, you know, how important it is. Um, yeah, I think even outside of education, if you look in the news, right. sports, right. politics, politics, Hollywood, right. uh, yeah. education, 
literally everywhere. Everywhere. Particularly the Title IX piece, the discrimination on the basis of sex, right. which can include assault, sexual assault, sexual mm-hmm. harassment. Me too. Those things, this Me Too movement, mm-hmm. are um, coming to the forefront of society everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people that are reflecting on their organization, their businesses, their diversity and inclusion and practices to make sure that they're in line with the 21st century uh, mindset. No, I mean, and that's a great point. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit about sort of the landscape area. Cause that, that, I think, I think that's absolutely true. Um, not, not to mention, not even, you know, touching on sort of the events of last year, but well, let's, how about this looking back? Um, is there anything that you would do differently? Um, or, or what would you do differently, if anything at all? Um, anything that I would do differently looking back? Hmm. What would I have done differently? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess um, I'm in my position now, mm-hmm. but my dream position um, was to be either, uh, you know, general counsel. I applied to some general counsel positions not too long after I got in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And was pretty successful, made it to the finalists, uh, but I did not um, accentuate certain pieces that dealt with um, uh, general counsel work. So I think that those ultimately hurt me in getting those positions. Mm-hmm. And also, I had the opportunity to be an attorney at um, the Office for Civil Rights that I ultimately mm-hmm. declined because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't think it was right time. And mm-hmm. so I think, if anything, maybe those two opportunities I would have loved to have because those were dream opportunities, but mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily hinder me. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything that I'm doing now, I think those opportunities are still available if I were to apply again, if they were to come available. But uh, those are the only two pieces I can really think about. Just what if I would have taken you know, the general uh, counsel position or a position with uh, the Office for Civil Rights and the attorney with them when I had those opportunities available to me. But um, those are just personal mm-hmm. thoughts or, or dreams, me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, providing advice to another person. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think there was anything that I did or would do differently, except for I wish that I would have had that epiphany, you know, mm. years early. Maybe if I had that epiphany in, mm. in you know, my first freshman year, mm. I did well in college, but maybe I would have gotten here a lot quicker. Maybe I would have taken some uh, classes in law school if I knew this was my outcome, my, my goal, that would have been able to help me a bit further to bolster my resume or to have a different understanding of certain pieces. So I think that's it in hindsight, but ultimately uh, I think I'm in pretty good space and there's not too much that I would, I would change. Maybe if I just had that epiphany sooner, mm-hmm. that would have been better off. Yeah, no. And, and I said, we, you know, don't we all, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, you, like you said, you go along and, and we do have, and that's, you know, we talked about those turning points and these, uh, these uh, certain points in life and, and, and uh, moments and, um, and, but you know, but but like you said, I mean, there you know, like you said, many times for, for various reasons they don't come, you know, earlier. But you know, when they come, they you know they are just as powerful and moving. So I, I think that's a that's definitely a fair point. Uh, what would you, um, you know, what do you think about the landscape of civil rights today? Um, you know, there's a lot. I mean, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but you know, obviously there. <laughs> I mean, I I say this, but, well, you know, we talk about the news and those kinds of things. But there's a lot going on, <laughs> I should say yeah, I, the least. So what what is, what is your sort of impression? And, and that can be Title IX or even, you know, outside of the Title IX context. 
Yeah, so I think that this is a, a very interesting time mm-hmm. to be involved or paying attention to the area of civil rights inside the education world and just out and outside of it just generally um i would say this probably like and you know and maybe i'm being hyperbolic here mm-hmm. but i feel like this is the the most um important era of civil rights mm-hmm. outside of you know 50s and 60s uh, mm-hmm. for uh, those type of civil rights regarding race and things like that um mm. because That's some of those pieces in the 50s and 60s are popping back up again yes. here now currently and, and other lenses but also particularly for civil rights for women mm-hmm. and uh dealing with sex and mm. gender identity mm-hmm. it's it's in the me too movement mm-hmm. y- you look everywhere and there's this some type of discussion that kind of hinders on civil rights and so I think for me personally, maybe it's because I'm in a, at the age where I'm realizing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a kid or, mm-hmm. or of course I wasn't alive in the 50s and 60s. But um, to me, it feels like uh, the most important time for civil rights outside of, you know, the 50s and 60s when Martin Luther King, Malcolm X and all those persons were alive and doing that work. Uh, but not necessarily all involved in race, but involved in race mm-hmm. plus other topics such as sex and the Me Too movement and things like that. Well, you know, and that that's very interesting um, because, you know, to your point, you've got criminal justice reform. You've mm-hmm. mentioned the gender identity issue. You mentioned the certainly sexual harassment, sexual assault, uh, you know, you mentioned, and, and, you know, racial justice, racial violence, racial, you know, risk, you know, rise and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and that element and so that's true. That's a lot. And voting rights, as we, you know, as we saw, yeah. you know, so I mean, it's, it, you know, it's to, a lot everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, right. It's, it's, right. It's, it's a ton. And um, in the educational context mm-hmm. and even in the employment context, mm-hmm. um, civil rights and protections regarding what is it? What does sex even mean? Right. Um, right. Mm-hmm. What can you not do? What can you do mm-hmm. for individuals that are not conforming to a particular idea of what right. gender should meet right. or should mean. And so I think that this is a, definitely a growing uh, conversation in society mm-hmm. and the laws catching up. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely foresee some continued Supreme Court cases. Yep. Of course, Me the Bostock case recently that has huge implications. Mm-hmm. And um, so as an attorney in this area, uh, I just kind of have my eyes glued on what's going on in the legal world because it's so many legal questions and hot button issues are being looked at and reviewed and have implications all over the place. Right. No, no. Great. All great points. Absolutely. Um, what do you think are the most important qualities or lessons um, for, you know, folks that want to get involved in, in any type of civil rights work, whether it's Title IX or, or maybe an employment or maybe, you know, just want to be a grassroots activist about around one of the issues we mentioned about voting rights, about racial justice, about uh, um, gender, you know, gender uh, rights, gender um, um, nonconformity, things like that, um, LGBTQ rights. W- what are some of the important qualities that you think, um, you know, you know, people should have or, or should if they don't have them, they can go learn them or, or develop them? I think one of the things that a person needs to have is a true 
genuine reason mm. um, for wanting to be in this particular area. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many people that are you know doing civil rights work simply for the money. Right. I mean, you can make money doing it. Right. Um, but you have to also have you know a, a passion about this area of work as well. Right. And I think that's the foundation. Right. Any job interview you go to that builds with some type of uh, civil rights. Uh, there, one of the questions you're going to be asked is, of course, why are you interested in this line of work? So, I think that's a good foundational question for everyone to reflect on. That getting into this, if, if you're interested in this line of work, um, why are you? What passion? What's motivating you? Driving you to do this particular work? Because ultimately, people are depending on you. Uh, do your the job and if you're doing it just for a check um there's a lot of areas particularly attorneys can go to the draw paycheck and that don't necessarily you know impact individual lives as much as this area does so um that's one of the pieces i would say mm-hmm. is uh, having a understanding of why you want to do this particular work mm-hmm. and if you can keep that in mind you can really uh, articulate that can help drive you moving forward as you're going about your career and, and trying to get into this area. No, I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I think that, yes, absolutely. The, you have to have a desire for it. You have mm-hmm. to, you have to have a desire for it and a passion for civil rights and, and social justice and, and those areas. So I, I think that is probably the most important um, quality to have because, like you said, you know, said, you know, if, said, if you know the why, I think he said, uh, you know, you can endure anyhow, you know, so you can come up with a way to, to accomplish it if you know why you're doing it. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned a little bit, um, if I just you know, for to pick up on this, um, uh, shortly, the uh, you said, like any are there any subjects in school you'd recommend? Uh, any areas, um, t- you know, whether it's, you know, undergrad or law school, you know, or or, or any other type of uh, program or training? Are there any other subjects you'd recommend? I know you mentioned some certifications, but are there any, any subjects that you yeah. would uh, recommend people focus on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I was in law school, like I said, I had a really good uh, constitutional law professor. When I went to law school, I had no clue that I had an interest in constitutional law. Okay. When I was an undergrad, I took um, constitutional law in undergrad okay. and civil degrees as well. Okay. I also had a really good uh, professor who was an attorney that taught those classes as well. Oh, okay. okay. Um, if you can take constitutional law, that's a really good course to take um, because these pieces focus and, and are like outgrowths of those constitutional law pieces, mm-hmm. equal protection clause, um, some of those due process pieces as well that are found in the law, procedural due process, things like that, yeah. come into play in what I'm doing now. And I'm you know, if we're suspending a student, uh, I have to make sure that some procedural due process pieces are met as well. Right. Um, so yeah, so constitutional law, if you can get that. And, and when I was an undergrad, I took those two constitutional law classes, constitutional law and civil liberties. Mm-hmm. And then when I was an undergrad, of course, I took constitutional law that, I mean, I'm sorry, law school. Mm-hmm. I took constitutional law that was, you know, the basic constitutional law, you take your 2L year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that teacher provided me was great. One of the most difficult classes I've ever had. Yes, <laughs> it usually is. <laughs> but it's worth it. You know, yeah. He had to memorize the cases, mm-hmm. names and mm-hmm. all those things. Mm-hmm. And so I've never done as much reading for any course ever in law school mm. than I did for my uh, 
two L year. Wow. Or maybe spring one L year constitutional law class. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, teacher was great. Professor was great. Yeah. And so then I also took um, constitutional law fo- first amendment focused just solely on Ooh. the first amendment. Okay. Uh, and I also took, I think, constitutional law, 14th Amendment. I think that was another course mm-hmm. that my s- school offered. So I took those three constitutional law classes, okay. which is, you know, the other two were, were elected, essentially. Right. Um, so that was a really good course because that provided me a good foundation. Uh, if you're in education, constitutional law, First Amendment principles are a huge part of mm-hmm. what, I, what I do. People say things all the time, good particularly point. social media. People are posting things on social media. Great Can point. we touch it? Can we not touch it? First Amendment principles apply there because I work for a public institution. Um, also, I wish that I had, I did not take this class, but in hindsight, I wish I would have an admin law. Yes. I wish I was, of course, I would have taken, yep. um, but I had, you yep. know, Same that here. I would need that. Yep. But that would be a course that I took, would take. And also, because you're dealing with conflict so much, um, certain law schools might offer some type of mediation course or ADR certificate. Oh, I think my law school had a, a clinic yeah. in that. Mm-hmm. I, in hindsight, I would have taken those courses to be certified as a, uh, to, have to come out with the, I think it was called the ADR dispute resolution certificate or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even, I think my law school allowed you to take a certain amount of courses where you could be a certified mediator right. coming out right. of law school. So I, w- I wish I would have taken advantages of that. And my law school didn't have any education law classes, but mm-hmm. maybe other law schools might. If you do have education law classes, I, I would also say uh, jump into those as well. Okay. Uh, any other courses that I could think of that would be helpful? Employment law. If you have okay. an employment law class, that can, that's very helpful as well. Okay. Uh, I would have taken one of those. I don't think we had it at my law school, though. Okay. Uh, now, yeah, so employment law, constitutional law, criminal procedure and evidence, those can help you um, as well. And my like, point. What I do, evidence doesn't come in. Like, we don't follow the rules of evidence, right. but they're helpful when those gray areas are coming into, into practice. And that kind of relay or rely on those uh, principles and evidence and um, to kind of in criminal procedure to work my way through some uh, to help me have a good grounded gut and basis for how I operate when there's no clear answer yet in in my particular area. So I think all those courses together would would have been great. Some I took, some I didn't, but all those uh, I think in hindsight are beneficial. I mean, those are some great options. There's something I didn't even think about because, I mean, I think it's a great point about the First Amendment. <clears throat> I think it's a great point about the mediation and ADR. I mean, I think that, because <clears throat> you don't have to deal with that no matter what. You know, it's interesting. I remember <clears throat> I was listening to someone talk about this and they were really talking about, even in history, particularly in African-American mm. history and African-American organization, you're talking about, you know, how many splits we've had and how many, you know, sort of, you know, divisions that have broken out, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, you know Dr. King and Malcolm X and, and Nation of Islam and all that. And they were talking about that, you know, we don't have a good conflict resolution process in many right. of these organizations. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a great, I mean, I never thought about it like that, you know, uh, but, but, you know, I, I think that was a great point. And, and, and that's something that I didn't think about even in doing civil rights work, that absolutely 
you probably should have taken some type of mediation because that's what you're, I mean, invariably doing this kind of work, you're going to deal with some type of conflict. I and mean, so, I was, yeah, uh, when mm-hmm. I was in higher education, mm-hmm. I was working at a small university. Mm-hmm. Some people might think, oh, you know, working on a small university, you didn't do much of anything. Right. But the contrary, <laughs> I was working right. at a small university and the way that university system was set up, they don't have general counsel. Right. Their council was uh, all centered in the state capital, right. which is, you know, a hundred miles away. Right. So they have legal questions, conflict, mediation type of questions. Uh, they turned to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I was able to get some of those uh, general counsel type experiences as well. Mm-hmm. And disputes and mm-hmm. things between, you know, persons, mm-hmm. department chairs who mm-hmm. apply for the same position, but one got it and the other didn't, mm-hmm. but yet they still have to work at the same place. Mm-hmm. All those types of things. Um, those really would have come in handy, those mm-hmm. mediation and conflict resolution type of uh, skills, for sure. Yeah, yeah no, that, that, that's, that's an excellent point. It's a great point. Um, well, we're almost at the end here. Um, is there anything else that you like to uh, share with our audience um, from your experience or about civil rights, about, you know, career um, advice, anything else that we haven't already covered or we haven't already asked? Yeah, I, I would just say, you know, if you're looking to what field you get, whether it's civil rights or anything, uh, definitely, for sure, do your research on it, figure out why you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you kind of have an idea of what you want to do, try to figure out how you can get the closest to that career path. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, the door is not open 100% outright, and what can you do to get you as close as possible to that career path, you can continue to inch your way closer. And then when you are in those careers, uh, what responsibilities and roles can you take in your your uh, your job that can help build that resume in the future? So even now, I'm constantly looking at job postings because I'm always thinking of you know the next step. I don't ever want to be stuck mm-hmm. in a career. So I'm constantly looking at job postings to figure out what people are looking for, what skill sets people are looking for, so I can continue to get those and get the most of my um, experiences professionally to prepare for the next opportunity. So I think those are some good things to keep in mind and some good ideas and practices. Uh, if, if you can't get to your ultimate, your, your end goal at the first step, what can you do to get you as close as possible? And um, once you're in that opportunity, what steps can you take to enter you further to your ultimate goal? And, um, and when you are in a goal, you're succeeding, Continue to think about the next thing to figure out um, so you don't get stuck or stagnant to continue to grow and uh, keep your options open as best as possible. I think those would be my biggest pieces of advice and things that I still um, still do today. And uh, like I said, I'm not definitely not a believer in reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. If someone's already out there doing it successfully, mm-hmm. reach out to them. People love to talk about them themselves. They Here do. I am rambling as well. Yes. And so if you know someone, or even if you don't know someone, you find someone um, that has, you know, a career path that's similar to yours. If they're even if they're high up, give them a cold email or a cold call. Tell yeah. them what you're trying to do, and um, yeah. sure, nine times out of ten, they would love to speak with you. Um, and that's a good resource and connection and networking right there. I mean, and you know, that, and I'm glad that's, a, that's one again another excellent point. I mean, the informational interview. Well, first of all, like you said, 
nine times out of 10, even though people think they won't, people will respond to you. <laughs> they will, and, yep. and in most cases, particularly if you say, hey, I just want to kind of know what you're doing, they would love to do it. They welcome the opportunity. And I think mm-hmm. many cases, people just don't ask. <laughs> I, just, I think that's what happens. Yeah. You know, I think people just kind of sort of, you know, sit on the sidelines and they just don't ask. But you, you're absolutely, I mean, there have been, I mean, even I can think of, when I've asked people to say, hey, you know what? I just I want to know, want to learn from you. There have been very few times people say no. Very few. A I, I agree. And um, it's underutilized. I, I didn't do it in, in undergrad. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have. Right. I just Me too. kind of didn't think much about networking. But yes. um, I realized it one day. And it's been, <laughs> even now, I, I network. Right. I, I network with other Title IX colleagues. Right. Um, in my job now, I've put together... A, uh, I've created a group for Title IX coordinators oh, nice. across the state in K twelve schools. Nice uh, to create a networking system for one to get my name out there. Nice so I can be seen as a leader in the state, but also to help others at the same time. So I still do that to this day, networking and, and connecting. I mean that's. I mean, hey, that's like I said. I, I keep saying it, but I mean, those are. I'm, I'm telling you, folks, this is this this is good stuff here. Okay, this is this is good stuff because I mean, again, I mean, like I said, you know, what happens is action. It's taking the steps, taking the initiative, and like you said, it's not always sort of. You know, most people think you know it's the grand gestures. I mean, you, just like what you said. I mean, you know, having that networking group of people in the similar positions. That's a, that's a, that's a that's a power move. That's a huge play. Not only, like yeah. you said, do you, you know, can you use each other as a resource, networking, job, other opportunities. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's a it's a win across the board. Um, and so I think that you know that that's that's great. That's excellent advice. And like I said again, just you know, I think you know, and I say it, but I think these are just very valuable pieces of information and nuggets that people can use. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, again, you know, Israel is a pleasure. Uh, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to get it scheduled and do it. And I'm thank you for your time. And, and, I, and I do mean this, you know, and also said, I mean, these are great nuggets. It was great talking with you. And I'm sure that our uh, listeners will, um, will uh, take, really take, uh, heed of a lot of the advice you've given, which is great, and really, uh, really, uh, really learn a lot from this episode. So thank you so much for your time, for being with us, and for sharing um, your thoughts and your experiences with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I, I guess I'll speak with you next time. Okay, sounds great. Thanks a lot, Jarell. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Civil Rights University, where our guest was Jarell Lewis. Um, we certainly appreciate Jarrell uh, for all the insights that he provided. Uh, just to recap, um, one, he talked about taking action, right? That um, things did not change for him until he began to take action. Two, uh, taking risks. He talked about being willing to, in some cases, um, get outside of not only his comfort zone, but in fact, even moving uh, across the country. Um, number three, he had a plan. You know, he, he figured out where he wanted to do and he had a plan. Um, and, and also number four, the, the, the point that came out was that action brought clarity, right? He started out thinking he wanted to do one thing, but as he started to take action and do more, uh, then he got greater clarity. 
Uh, next, he talked about the epiphany he had, right? Where he said, listen, you know, this is, this is not where I want to go and what I want to do. Uh, and so he had that realization, he had that moment to himself, right? Um, to, um, to get to that place. Also, he talked about once he began down the road toward this career path, uh, he engaged in things like informational interviewing and getting around people and talking to people uh, about what he wanted to do and about and talking to people who were already doing what he wanted to do and how that was important. He mentioned the proximity principle. Um, so all of those are great insights and recaps uh, for our episode today. Again, we truly thank Jarrell for all of his uh, insight and uh, nuggets that he provided. Uh, if, if you like this content and for more information and resources, uh, and, and of course, to um, to uh, locate the podcast, you can go to uh, civilrightsuniversity.com. Again, civilrightsuniversity.com for more resources and content. Um, in addition, um, if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash civil rights university, patreon.com forward slash civil rights university. Until next time, again, we thank you for tuning in to Civil Rights University's podcast, and we look forward to bringing you future uh, episodes and content. Thank you. I'm not going to